Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sacred text. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Me Undies. I have lots of kinds of underwear in my drawer, but I have to tell you that my favorite kind of underwear is me undies. I love them so much, and Colette, my wife, is so jealous of them that when Mother's Day came up this year and she wanted a variety of different gifts for Mother's Day, one of the things she wanted was some me undies underwear and also their lounge pants. I have a pair of me undies lounge pants, and Colette deserves a super soft, super comfortable pair of Me Undies lounge pants. There are styles for everyone from all black classics to fun, expressive prints, and they come in sizes extra small to 4XL, guaranteeing a flattering cut for everybody. And like I said already, they have unmatched comfort. Their signature fabric is as soft as a warm hug from your favorite sweater. It's also breathable, stretchy, and oh so comfy, making it ideal for all day wear. MeUndies are also responsibly sourced. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers. Get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash HPST. That's MeUndies.com slash HPST for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. Chapter 14. Cornelius Fudge. Harry, Ron, and Hermione had always known that Hagrid had an unfortunate liking for large and monstrous creatures. During their first year at Hogwarts, he had tried to raise a dragon in his little wooden house, and it would be a long time before they forgot the giant three-headed dog. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And I'm Caspar Terkyle. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Some of you may remember me telling the story in the episode about rebellion about the final day of my high school career. I'd really struggled with my final year in high school. And so I'd put all my vented and frustrated energy into a sort of burn book that I released to the whole school on the final day. And the fallout wasn't pretty. And I remember it suddenly dawned on me what I'd done and maybe that it was a very foolish thing. And so I walked just off campus and I sat down on a bench in a park and I was feeling very sorry for myself. And I suddenly got a phone call from a friend who 
I hadn't really been close to in a couple of years, but a friend who I'd met when I was 13, when I joined that school. And they were one of the few people who reached out to me. And even though they might have been disappointed in what I'd done, they still showed up and they still asked me how I was doing. And they came and sat next to me on that park bench and we just chatted about celebrities. And I remember that moment so well because they were the only ones who really stood by me, who were loyal to me. And I've been thinking about that theme of loyalty as we read this chapter of the Chamber of Secrets, especially what it takes to be loyal when we still disagree with what someone has done. How do we show friendship? How do we show loyalty in those moments? And so I'm excited to think about that with you, Vanessa, as we read this chapter together. I'm incredibly impressed with those friends. I think that that shows an incredible amount of wisdom and fortitude to see a friend who has acted out and think to check in on him. Yeah, they were pretty amazing. You know what else is amazing, Vanessa? My 30-second recap. Oh, yes! (laughs) I think you're going first this week. I am. Lucky me. Okay, three, two, one, go. The gang of three has to process the fact that it turns out that Hagrid is probably releasing the um, monster in the Chamber of Secrets. Then, in the meantime, they have to pick their subjects, and they're discussing Hagrid in the Chamber of Secrets, and Hermione goes, oh, I have an idea, and I have to go to the library. And then the Quidditch game starts, and then... The Quidditch game gets called off because Hermione and some Ravenclaw girl get petrified. And McGonagall is really worried and Harry and Ron go down to Hagrid's hut. And then it turns out that Hagrid is being arrested and has to go to Azkaban and that Dumbledore has to go on suspension. I was worried for you, but you did pull it back. When were you worried for me when I was being amazing? Mostly when you forgot Penelope Clearwater's name. Wasn't some Ravenclaw. It's Percy's girlfriend. Show some respect. (laughs) On your mark. Get set. Go. So the trio is concerned that they think that Hagrid is the one who released the monster. And they say, well, we're not going to go talk to him until there's another attack. But then Harry hears the voice again. And so they're like, oh, my God. And then Hermione thinks she has an idea because she's had an idea. So she goes to the library and then they go down to the Quidditch game. But McGonagall cancels it with a big purple thing. And then they go back and it's Penelope Clearwater and Hermione who've been thinged. And um, Cornelius Fudge comes to arrest. But Lucius Malfoy then says, no, not just Hagrid, but Dumbledore has also been voted off as president. And um, Ron and Harry here at all. You did a really good job. I just don't know if I should tease you for saying that Hermione had an idea because of an idea. (laughs) Or if I should tease you for calling Headmaster Dumbledore president. It's just in this climate I want anyone else. (laughs) Your 30-second recaps are political. (laughs) All right. Let's jump into this theme of loyalty. Where did you really see it show up in this chapter? So I'm really interested in all of the loyalty that is being presented around Hagrid. I mean, the chapter starts with the trio processing the information that Hagrid was the person 50 years ago at the center of this Chamber of Secrets scandal. And they are trying to think about how to protect Hagrid. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely being loyal in the sense that they're not going to tell anyone about him. But I feel like if they really trusted his innocence, wouldn't they dare to bring it up. It feels like they're holding back a little bit because they're actually concerned that he is untrustworthy. But isn't that what loyalty is? It's sticking by someone even if you think that they're guilty. It's not loyalty if it's not being tested. It's just existing. Isn't it even more loyal to be like, hey, I love you and I'm worried that you did this thing, which is bad. And I'm still going to love you even if you did. Yeah, that is a good point. 
I agree with you that it is a higher form of loyalty to say to someone, I see your downsides, I see your flaws, and I am here anyway, and I'm going to stay here. But I'm not sure what would be benefited from them confronting him this early. They do go down and confront him when something is at stake. Well, it's interesting because at this stage in the story, you know, nothing has happened for the last four months. So the trio say, well, in the text, it says, in the end, they decided that they wouldn't say anything to Hagrid unless there was another attack. And of course, that's what happens. Hermione and Penelope are attacked, which leads Ron and Harry to go to the hut. But I feel like that would have been a great safe moment without stress or urgency to say, Hagrid, we love you. We're going to call you in. We really need to know what happened 50 years ago because we think you might have something to do with it. I think they could have saved Hagrid. Like they could have alerted Dumbledore and outmaneuvered Lucius before, you know, the catastrophic events of the final pages of this chapter happen. I'm not sure that I agree with you that that is an expression of loyalty. Isn't sometimes loyalty like letting bygones be bygones and forgiving someone for their flaws and saying, this is 50 years ago, we're going to forgive you for it. Sometimes it's our job to push our friends, but sometimes it's our job just to be there for our friends. And we're not shrinks. We're not psychologists. Does loyalty have to be constant confrontation? But I think there's a difference between calling out and calling in, because calling out can be really confrontational, but calling in can be a way of lifting someone up to their highest self again. And I think there's been some nice incidents of that, especially around the dragon's egg that we saw in book one. I think a conversation like that, there's precedent for it at this point for the trio and Hagrid. And if they framed it about the worry that they have for their fellow students and the fact that they're not going to tell anyone if there's any secrets that Hagrid has. I agree with you. But the bigger question to me is where are their loyalties lying? Because there should be a Venn diagram of caring for Hagrid, but also caring for their fellow students. And so I think that that could motivate them to be loyal to Hagrid in this conversation that is calling Hagrid to a higher version of himself and trying to protect the students. I love that idea. If there wasn't a stressful incident in the school that necessitated this conversation, there would be no reason to bring up his expulsion. I agree with that because that's not a loyal thing to do just to bring up people's mistakes from 50 years ago, as you say, just so you can know the full story. That's not a legitimate reason. Right. I just think that you're taking a risk when you bring those things up and you really have to question your motives and try to hint around things to understand how you could really be serving the other person in this moment. When you're making a decision for somebody else, for another adult, I think it's your responsibility to just take that very, very seriously. Like, what are you really being loyal to? This is why I think Dumbledore's relationship with Hagrid is also really interesting, because he certainly knows about Hagrid's faults, the drinking, the gambling, and Dumbledore fully trusts Hagrid's motives, because Hagrid makes bad decisions, but never with bad intention. So what Dumbledore is loyal to is the sense of who Hagrid is maybe at his inner core, the values that he has. He knows that Hagrid makes mistakes, and sometimes we should question Dumbledore's judgments in terms of the jobs he gives Hagrid to do. But I think he, better than the trio in this moment, is able to navigate that line of loyalty. What do you think? Dumbledore's loyalty to Hagrid is beautiful, but it troubles me. I understand Harry's loyalty to Hagrid. Hagrid was generous and kind to Harry, and so Harry is reciprocating that. But I'm not sure what motivates Dumbledore's loyalty to Hagrid. 
And I'm just trying to think if I was the parent of a child at Hogwarts, would I want an alcoholic gambling teacher who has a a real attraction for dangerous creatures who cannot keep a secret? Hagrid is dangerous. And so the question again to me is where are his responsibilities and where do you cut someone off? I love that he said to Hagrid, as we've talked about before, like, you've been expelled, but here are the keys to the castle. But I question some of the things he lets Hagrid do. His loyalty is flawed to me. I think Dumbledore is being loyal to the budget system of Hogwarts because Hagrid has been in the same role for decades without any, you know, potential for advancement. And I'm sure his wages are pretty stable also. So really, that's probably why Dumbledore is is a fan. But more seriously, I think the beautiful thing about Dumbledore's loyalty to Hagrid is that it's then reciprocated. You know, Hagrid, more than anyone in the books, is so loyal to Dumbledore. Great man, Dumbledore. Great man, Dumbledore. And, you know, and, and that saves Harry. It saves others multiple times in the books. So I think there's something, even if it's flawed, it ultimately builds this kind of circle of trust and commitment and love that makes the school a safer place for everyone. I like that. I think that sometimes loyalty is just a performance, right? Even when nothing is at stake, you're just building trust and love and showing someone, I'm going to show up. I've felt that way a lot. Like when you show up to be at someone's side, like in a hospital or, you know, you're keeping them company, but they're like napping. This means nothing. It is like just a performance. I'm not actually being helpful to you, but it is still building love and trust and reliability. I remember I was so confused when my uncle died maybe 12 years ago or so, and all of these friends of my parents showed up at the funeral who had never met him. And I was like, I literally asked one of my parents' friends, I was like, why are you here? You know, you didn't know him. I mean, he was a great man. And they said, I'm here for your parents. And that made such an impact on me because it, yeah, it's showing up in times of need. You know, a couple of years ago, my friend's grandfather passed away. I flew down to D.C. to be with her because I was like, this is what you do when people you love lose someone who matters to them. And I think that's what's happening over and over again in these books between Dumbledore and Hagrid. They keep showing up for each other and they trust each other and they trust each other's intentions, even if they don't always trust each other's judgments. Vanessa, one of my favorite things that happens when we choose a theme like this is that the exact word that we've chosen randomly shows up in the chapter. And this time it happens right near the end when Dumbledore is talking to Lucius Malfoy, who's just told him that he's been sacked as the headmaster. And Dumbledore says to Lucius, but really to Ron and Harry, who are hiding in the corner, you will find that I will only truly have left this school when none here are loyal to me. And there's something so powerful in that because it says something about Dumbledore's magic, Dumbledore's influence, his righteousness extends far more than just his personhood. It's anyone who's aligned with his way of being in the world that will keep that power alive. Yes, and that is a beautiful sentiment. But I'm wondering if this is the beginning of a real cult You know, in a few books, we're going to have an army raised in Dumbledore's name. And I can just imagine being one or two circles removed, being like Adam McPhee in Ravenclaw, 
And seeing that the people who are deeply loyal to Dumbledore being like a little creeped out by them and being like, yes, they are obsessed with him. It is a cult and it is not healthy. What is loyalty and what is like obsession or worship? I mean, that sentiment even shows up in this chapter. We see in the Gryffindor common room after the latest round of attacks, Lee Jordan points out that all of the students who've been attacked so far are either in Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Gryffindor. And he says, throw out all the Slytherins. And we know that the culprit is in Gryffindor and the Slytherins are innocent. And so you get that kind of group mentality there, which turns violent very, very quickly. And I think you're right to point to the danger of that cultish behavior or that uncritical thinking plus loyalty can lead to danger. I think loyalty itself is not dangerous, but when it's done uncritically, that's when we've got to be worried. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Me Undies. I have lots of kinds of underwear in my drawer, but I have to tell you that my favorite kind of underwear is Me Undies. I love them so much, and Colette, my wife, is so jealous of them that when Mother's Day came up this year and she wanted a variety of different gifts for Mother's Day, one of the things she wanted was some Me Undies underwear and also their lounge pants. I have a pair of Me Undies lounge pants, and Colette deserves a super soft, super comfortable pair of Me Undies lounge pants. There are styles for everyone from all black classics to fun, expressive prints, and they come in sizes extra small to 4XL, guaranteeing a flattering cut for everybody. And like I said already, they have unmatched comfort. Their signature fabric is as soft as a warm hug from your favorite sweater. It's also breathable, stretchy, and oh so comfy, making it ideal for all day wear. MeUndies are also responsibly sourced. They use sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that care for their workers. Get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash HPST. That's MeUndies.com slash HPST for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort from the outside in. 
So, Casper, when we broke, we were talking about cults of personality and what loyalty is and when loyalty can go too far and become obsession. And this really gets to the heart of the question of what is loyalty. I'm just thinking of a moment a few years ago. A friend of mine was in a really bad marriage, and she clearly wanted to get out of the marriage, but she was cheating on her husband. And she made a comment to me about how, like, it's not really cheating, And I called her out. I was like, no, it's really cheating. I was at your wedding. You made vows. You were breaking the vows. And she felt, you know, we didn't speak for months. She felt as though I was being incredibly disloyal to her in that moment. And it's something that I've really thought a lot about because our friendship has entirely repaired. But, you know, she was trying to get out of a bad marriage. And I knew that that was the motivation, and I wasn't trying to shame her. I was trying to be loyal, trying to hold her accountable to the vows that I saw her make and to the best in herself. And it presented as disloyalty. And I'm not sure where the line is between disloyalty and sort of critical loyalty. I mean, this is kind of a weird place to point to. But I'm going to take you to Neville and choosing his classes for the next year. When in doubt, turn to Neville Longbottom. It's true. You know, so the, all the students have to figure out what classes they're going to take. And Neville is getting advice left, right, and center from members of his family about which classes to choose. Hermione, meanwhile, just decides to do everything. Dean Thomas kind of picks some by random. Harry and Ron choose whenever they can be together. But Neville is struggling with, like, whose advice am I loyal to? So I think in that situation, it's very difficult. All you can do is try and be loyal to your inner teacher, perhaps. Or, you know, I wonder if in that situation, your friend had to, you know, maybe she had to be frustrated with you for a little while before she could realize that what you were saying was true. And ultimately, you know, the marriage did end and and she was happier for it. I worry, and I don't know, but I worry that I was actually being more loyal to my sense of, like, righteousness and right and wrong than I was being to her in that moment. And I'm not sure, you know. And even if you were, is that a bad thing? Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, more than anything, I think that story, Vanessa, illustrates competing loyalties and that, yes, you wanted to be loyal to your friend, but you also want to be loyal to your values of integrity and and truth. And, you know, I think even in this chapter, we see characters struggling with those multiple levels of loyalty. You know, McGonagall, who's a fierce Gryffindor, you know, she's head of the house, and Gryffindor are playing Hufflepuff in a Quidditch match. She's the one who goes and shuts down the match, not because she's not loyal to Gryffindor, but because she's loyal to the safety of the students and she's loyal to the school more than that she's loyal to that individual house. So I think, you know, sometimes we have to forsake a lower level of loyalty in some way for a bigger loyalty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Priorities. Vanessa, you are leading Havruta today. What have you brought for our spiritual practice? The question that I have for you today is about the moment in which Cornelius Fudge is about to arrest Hagrid. Fudge all but says, we know you didn't do this, Hagrid. We know that you're innocent. But for my political career, I have to arrest you anyway. And Dumbledore is clearly upset by this. It says he has eyes of fire. And it says that Dumbledore says to Fudge, I want it understood, Cornelius, that Hagrid has my full confidence. And he even says it again. He says, I tell you that taking Hagrid away will not help in the slightest. My question for you is, is this enough? 
is this enough? The protest that Dumbledore puts up to an innocent man being arrested is, I want it on record that I think you're making a mistake, saying that twice, and then eyes of fire. Now, obviously, the argument could be made that there isn't anything else he could do. If he were to sort of throw himself in front of Hagrid, then Fudge would have just gotten the Dementors in to arrest Hagrid, and he just would have escalated the situation. But the answer that I am going to give to you is that this is not nearly enough. This is an act of violence that is being enacted upon Hagrid. Hagrid is being taken to Azkaban for something that everybody knows he didn't do. And Dumbledore's response is to walk with Fudge down to Hagrid's hut and to say twice, I want to be on record that it's not okay, but to otherwise stand there and let it happen. So my question to you is, is that enough? Oh, that's so hard. I mean, the only thing that I can imagine is that because he has a deep suspicion that Voldemort is behind this, you know, earlier in the book, he says it's not a question who, it's a question of how. So he clearly already suspects that Riddle is in some way involved, that he is trying to protect the students. You know, he has those competing loyalties, a loyalty to Hagrid, but also a loyalty to the school. And he is willing however sadly, to sacrifice Hagrid at least for a little while for the safety of the school. How does sacrificing Hagrid make the kids safer? I'm sorry, I'm trying to take the tone of judgment out of my voice, but this feels like a really pressing issue right now as we as a country are talking about the possibilities of things like Muslim registries and and I'm wondering what I do to be a good ally and neighbor and what I would expect somebody else to do to me. And I think that's the challenge is we don't know what else Dumbledore is doing. You know, he's not central in these pages. So we don't know what investigations he's running behind the scenes. We don't know what efforts he's already making to try and figure out how Voldemort is performing these acts of terror. And so... It's difficult for me to judge him based on what's happened in the text. If this is all he does, I agree with you. It is not enough. But I I suspect there's more behind the scenes than we know. What if he can't get Hagrid out of Azkaban? Putting someone in jail, you can't necessarily get them out. But Vanessa, this is a man who has seen war. He knows that people die. He knows that people end up in prison who are innocent. And we know that Dumbledore is, is a man who can be ruthless. He is raising Harry, more or less, full in the knowledge that Harry probably will need to die. And so he's a ruthless man, and I, and I think he's willing to make those kind of sacrifices, whether it's right or wrong. You know, I, I think at this point, Dumbledore trusts the system of justice enough to counter this attack on Hagrid's innocence. Of course, he's sideswiped in the next move by Lucius Malfoy showing up. And I think that's when he's like, oh boy, I need to call some backup. Let me ask two 12-year-old boys to figure it out with my magical bird. And, you know, it works out. So let's give Dumbledore some credit. <laughs> I think that the key thing that you said is that he still has enough faith in the system of government. That is what is just on an interpersonal level difficult for me is when do we stop trusting the government enough? It turns out that it does work out and that Hagrid gets sent back. And I'm not sure that in this moment where the prime minister is at my school and has come to take somebody and arrest them and 
blatantly admit, I am doing this even though I know that you are innocent, but I have to for political will. Like, I think that my trust in that system would be broken at that point. And I agree with you. When I get pulled over for something, I am very deferential to police officers because I trust that the system is going to treat me well enough. But I know that if I wasn't a petite white woman in Northeast America, that that would change. And when I'm in a different circumstance, it would change. And so I am frustrated with Dumbledore in this moment because I'm not sure that the evidence is there that he should be trusting the system enough. And I think this is the question for us to ask as we go through these books, because the context is going to change. And there is a moment when some people say, I no longer trust this system. We need to act outside of it. And others say, no, no, everything's going to be fine. And it isn't. And I think, you know, for all of us in our own lives, where we're trying to navigate that choice, like we need to study these books to realize when we need to make different choices from our everyday experience, because, you know, things change and we need to be ready to change with them. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This week's voicemail is from Jane. Hi, this is Jane from Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I just listened to your Chapter 10 podcast on Book 2. And at the end, Vanessa offered a blessing to Madame Pomfrey and all those others who are competent and good at their jobs. And I certainly understand that and think that's an important group of people to bless. But as someone who was recently diagnosed with adult ADHD and who didn't believe in that sort of stuff before, 
I wanted to offer a blessing for all the people who may not be good at the jobs that they're currently in or they've had in the past for whatever reason and who maybe like Neville Longbottom may be frustrating or be pitied by those around them because they struggle to do work that appears very easy to others or straightforward. You know, Neville forgets the passwords and has to sleep outside and, you know, no one else seems to struggle with that. And yet we all know, we all know and love Neville and we all value his contribution to Hogwarts and to Gryffindor. And I know you've touched on this before and he has this wonderful, great destiny. But that's not obvious for a lot of time for a lot of characters in that book. And I think it's not obvious to many people about the others who seem to be struggling or seem to be sort of slow on the uptake or not doing things how they want them done. And so my blessing goes out to everyone out there who sometimes feels like they're not living up to being good at their job in the ways that they wish they could and know that they have value no matter what. Jane, thank you so much for that voicemail. In doing these blessings, you know, I am trying to call out certain people for certain traits, but I absolutely never mean to be not blessing the opposite. So just because I'm blessing Millicent Bolstrode for sort of maybe having body image issues, I certainly am hope that people with really strong body images don't feel unblessed by that. I want blessings for us all. So absolutely blessings to those who are competent and wonderful at what they do and blessings to those of us who struggle with what they do because goodness knows Casper and Ariana and Jen knew I often fall into the latter category. So thank you for reminding us and blessings to us all. Casper, now is the time in the show in which we have the opportunity to bless someone who has spoken to us. Who would you like to bless this week? So this is a slightly unorthodox choice, but my blessing is for Cornelius Fudge. He really puts his image before his values in this chapter. And as a Slytherin, that's something that I'm a little prone to as well. And so this blessing is for Cornelius, for him just to remember why he got into politics in the first place because it probably was for a good reason to protect people, to inspire people to do good, to change things for the better, and that he needs to be willing to make sacrifices for the work he wants to do and not to make sacrifices of other people um, like he's doing with Hagrid. So if anyone is struggling with a decision about, you know, is it going to make me look bad? I offer this blessing to you and hope that you find the courage to do what is right over what is easy. How about you, Vanessa? I would like to bless Professor McGonagall for the moment when she makes the announcement in the Gryffindor common room about what has happened. And she says she rolls up the parchment from which she has been reading and says in a somewhat choked voice, I need hardly add that I have rarely been so distressed. It is likely that the school will be closed unless the culprit behind these attacks is caught. I would urge anyone who thinks that they might know anything about them to come forward. And I just can't imagine how hard this is for her. And she's a woman who cares so much. And I think that caring is a gift and it can also be a burden. And this just must be a moment in which caring so much about these kids in this school must feel like such a burden on her heart. And her first 
priority is just their safety. And so I want to bless McGonagall for her resolve and her strength during this really tough time. And we know that it's about to get harder because she's about to have to step in for Dumbledore. And so I love you, Minerva. You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Next week, we will read Chapter 15, Aragog, through the theme of Sanctuary. If you can, please subscribe and review the show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. This episode was produced by Ariana Nettleman, Vanessa Zoltan, and me, Casper Turkile. Our social media coordinator is Jen Stark. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Boll. And Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is part of the Panoply Network. You'll find ours and other great shows at panoply.fm. Thank you to Jane for sending this week's voicemail, Rebecca and Charlie Ledley, and Stephanie Purcell. We'll see you all next week. Have a good one. I was going to bless Dumbledore, but we can't do that now. Why? Because... He's a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I thought it. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I felt it I in know. my heart. Yeah. 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 I know you did. <laughs> yeah.